Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of The Charting Room, a podcast where today's hot topics meets mental health conversations. This is Kivan here with a reminder that the views expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests. This podcast is meant to be informative and entertaining and is not a substitute for one-on-one medical or mental health care of any nature, nor the suggestion of any diagnosis or treatment. Remember that only a licensed provider can evaluate your situation, provide a diagnosis, or render other medical and mental health advice to you. Now, let's dig in. Welcome to the charting room. What's good? It's your girl, Kivon. I am a licensed clinical social worker. This is uh, Dr. Anthony Andrews. I'm a licensed professional counselor. This is Dr. Sheree Watkins, also a licensed professional counselor. Dr. Phil Murray, board certified adult and child psychiatrist. And we are your charting room co-hosts, back with another episode. We're back. We're back. We're back again. So we are back with another episode, um, and this week we are going to keep things light and talk about a recent article that was published by Harper's Bazaar earlier this month. The title. Does anybody regularly read Harper's Bazaar? Mm-hmm. Maybe because Cardi B was on the cover. She was on the cover of Harper's Bazaar. Yeah, she was. Oh, Look at it. Was, lie. She was, was gorgeous. A lie. Cinderella things. Yes. Yes. Um, Shout out to everybody who kills at the Met Gala. Oh my goodness. Who was your favorite look? Oh man. Janelle Monet. Mine too. Yeah. She's mine. She bodied it. Yeah. yeah, So I'm a Lena Waithe and uh, Kirby Sean Raymond stand. Yeah. I like their whole tethered look. Yes. And her shout out to Black Dragon. I'm losing theirs. Yeah. Yeah. Who is your least favorite? Katy Perry in that chandelier was was mine. I didn't look at the um the least favorites. I just looked looked at the best dressed. Yeah. 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 I just saw what came. It was but she media. had a chandelier. Yeah. Was a she chandelier? had on a chandelier hat, and then I, if I'm not mistaken, like the body part was like a chandelier as well. Mm, she tried. Yeah. She tried. No. No. But it was definitely my least favorite. But um, Janelle Monae, I was like, oh, she does no wrong. No, she really doesn't. Uh, love her. Love, love, love. Okay, so Harper's Bazaar. So the art, the title of the article is Men Have No Friends and Women Bear the Burden. Um, and so in the article, they... article. <laughs> Let me talk about the article first. So they are talking about toxic masculinity. Okay, that's fair. If you, um, They should have put that in the headline, but that's okay. <laughs> um, and what they are saying is that the persistent idea that feelings are a female thing has left a generation of straight men stranded on an emotionally stunted island, unable to forge intimate relationships with other men. And it's the women who are paying the price. Okay, so one of the things that one of the contributors, um, Kelly, said it was that men don't usually put the effort into maintaining friendships once they are married. The guys at work are the only people other than me that my husband even talks to. So when some of these men retire, they expect their wives to be their source of entertainment and even get jealous that they have a life of their own. 
And so I posted this in our charting room group chat. And Sheree and I, I felt like we were like, oh, great article. Yes, interesting. The guys immediately shut it down. Burn the magazine. Burn. <laughs> I feel and, like you just slick broke our group chat code of ethics. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Put us on I didn't there. sign on the dotted yeah. line for the code of ethics. Well, I did shut oh. it down. I did. <laughs> shut you it. shut it all I'm the here way. To I feel like Phil shut it down first. He did. Oh, I just sent an emoji. I was in church when I read yours, and I was like, so I why are you texting it. during the Lord's time? <laughs> that's, that's, that's a totally pointed. different thing. Something Probably because you have so many relationships that your husband doesn't have. <laughs> so let's talk about it. What's good? What, was her, what was her name again? Kelly. 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 See, it's insane. Like she, Kelly is speaking about her man. She's not referencing anybody else. This is I her. Don't know. This is her man. Like I have good relationships with other married uh, friends that happen to be guys. Yeah. As well. So I mean, I don't. I don't get what she's saying. You know, it's completely biased. I think that you might be a, a rarity. Most of the men that I know don't have like these communication, frequent communications with their male friends. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm like, hey, have you checked in with such and such lately? Um, and I'm speaking for my dad, my husband, my brothers. They don't really communicate on an ongoing basis with like their homies. You know what I think that is? It's gonna be. It's gonna sound bad. So bear with me. (laughs) (laughs) I think that many women shut down friendships that guys may have had or have with their homies, per se. That's fair. So that homie is not married, and he's that still partier, or he's that that guy that's going to the club, or he's still doing this and that, and, oh, he's liking this post on Instagram, and he doesn't have any respect or boundaries. A lot of guys sacrifice their friendships for peace in their home. And that is 100% fair, because you all know that I got married very young, and that definitely was the case. See? Because we were the only married couple amongst our friend group. Mm-hmm. And so everybody was still partying yeah. and whoop, 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 dee, wooing it up. And I was like, no. Then articles get That's written about. a choice for you. Like, then articles get written about, you know, him not socializing with other males. And, and her suffering. Yeah, her suffering. That's crazy. <laughs> that is not my claim to fame. I just want to put that out there. No, I said her. I didn't say oh, Okay, her. Kelly, Kelly. <laughs> but I think the article um, towards the end, it, it gave a, a very interesting perspective on this topic, which is that maybe there's a certain um, demographic of men mm-hmm. who are utilizing those types of behaviors because Zenex. Um, and also millennials are more open to keeping in contact with their friends. Like so, for example, I think of my male friends. Yeah, they have guy trips at least yearly. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, I think of my cousin just recently. Each one of his friends, when, when they've gotten married, have done guy trips as a part of their like pre-celebration, kind of like a bachelor yeah. um, weekend. No, they they in St. Lucia, they over in, in mm-hmm. Cuba. Mm-hmm. And so, but they also have a trip every year, just like his wife and her girls have a trip every year. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just, mm-hmm. it's evolving. I think I think to my grandfather, my uncles, no, I'm like, have you talked to, you know, your homeboy, who I, pretty much we call the other uncle. Uncles. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they're like, no, nah, I ain't talked to him in a couple of days. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think it's maybe a, a certain age group or dynamic or, of, of guys who are more open versus more close to keeping those co- close, intimate relationships and keeping in contact. I think yeah. it depends on a number of things. So okay. I'm not going to, to be fully transparent. I did not make it through the article. I got like, <laughs> no, like seriously, I got a paragraph and a half in when I first saw it. And I was like, I'm not reading this. Yeah. If, <laughs> no, I mean, like, really, I was like, no. That is ant clapping. Yeah. No, I mean, I was like, I don't need to read any more of this. So yeah. I may you. be completely misinformed for you. on the content of the article. <laughs> okay. And so... If we look at tone and focus and everything else, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned they mentioned toxic masculinity at some mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. and so, yes, I do agree that if we are speaking specifically about toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. then yes, women usually do bear the brunt of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But mm-hmm. that is not the lens that this was initially painted with. Mm-hmm. This is saying that men don't have friendships mm-hmm. and women are the ones that suffer. And I mean, if this was coming from a genuine place of caring and everything else, mm-hmm. they would have highlighted how the men are the ones that suffer from this mm-hmm. instead of this being an undue burden pushed on their partner or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, the focus on it being after marriage. OK, I can't fully speak to that, mm-hmm. but I will say to Ant's point, mm-hmm. you know. If you're, you know, I'm in my early 30s now, so I've had a lot of homeboys who have gotten married. And so there's always the first one to jump out there and then Mm -hmm. everybody kind of going around them. But it's kind of the same etiquette when somebody's in a serious relationship. Like you have to know what you can bring to that situation Mm -hmm. and to interact with them as a unit. Yeah. Uh, And so if you are somebody who is still trying to do just stupid single stuff Mm -hmm. with your either married, engaged or friends who are in a serious relationship, Mm -hmm. Everybody else knows, like, you're going to get excommunicated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. I joke about it, but to put it bluntly, like, I sometimes ask friends, wives for permission for them to do stuff. Yeah. You know, it's just like, hey, yeah. that's just what it is. Yeah. And so I feel like if you're not mindful of that, then, yes, some of those relationships can go to the wayside. Yeah. But I do think it's up to, you know, that guy and... Honestly, I mean, if the wife is the one that's charging that, you know, as well, I feel like then together as a unit, you know, that's where you get the couple friends. Exactly. You know, that you kind of exactly. hang out with mm-hmm. and everything else. So that's why I'm saying. Like, it was just very one-sided. And yeah. I rarely think things are kind of agenda-based. But I was yeah. just like, this is not an expansive point of view at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I do believe that there are cert- there are some men um, who are emotionally unavailable. And it can become taxing to their spouse, but also just to be very transparent, it also can be vice versa. Yeah. I think that one of yeah. the biggest points that they um, that Kelly mentioned that I agree that crosses both sides of the genders is that if you put the weight of your relationship for your spouse or mate to be your everything, mm-hmm. that is a demonstrative relationship. Yes. It can cause an overdue burden to that person because they have to be your mate, your therapist, your friend, your um, your cook, your everything. And that's a lot. That's a lot of pressure. And I often tell clients that when they come in after post these relationships, they feel so broken. And I asked them, well, essentially, you've not just lost one person. You lost a multitude of people because you made them all those things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Kelly says in the article, men are taught that feelings are a female thing, Mrs. Johnson, whose husband often complains about her wanting to talk deep. Though Johnson brags about how wonderful her husband is, grateful he doesn't exhaust her with his neediness like a lot of her married friends, she does wish men were encouraged to examine and explore their emotions in a safe setting like therapy before they boil over. I'm tired of having to replace another broken bedside table because he didn't realize he needed to talk about his feelings. 
What do you want? I mean, first thing well, I mean, to Petey. I was about to say, it sounds <laughs> like she wants him to not express himself physically when he's frustrated. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like that, I, can we agree that's fair? Yeah. Okay, that's yes. Fair. Okay, okay, okay. I'm just saying. Sounds a little like, scary. Yeah, <laughs> scary. <laughs> but all right. So again, with the way that the article is going, it's two different things. Yeah. So is it that this person wants men to have friendships? Yeah. Or is it that this person wants men to have friendships and relationships that mirrors their relationships? Mm. Because with the way that guys get down, it's... And one, I just want to take a pause to acknowledge that we're speaking from a cis-hetero lens right now. Yes, like I feel for like sure. we have yeah, had so many sure. episodes where we don't acknowledge that. Yeah, for sure. I usually kick sure. myself when we leave. So I wanted to put that out there. I appreciate but, that. But either way, guys do things based on activity. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when it comes to keeping in touch and everything, like, yes, it is more common, I think, for our generation of men to call and reach out. Yeah, but for as sure. As Sheree pointed out, you know, kind of going out, doing different things, different trips, mm-hmm. that's usually where the bulk of male relationships are kind of mm-hmm. fostered and built. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just spent some time uh, in Nashville with a friend's family for a baby shower housewarming thing. Mm-hmm. And I was speaking with uh, my homeboy's dad. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about his annual golf trips with his buddies. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that they also do fishing trips and things yeah. like that. And so I think for guys, that's where a lot of the relationship is done. And so all that other stuff is garnish. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I feel like when people don't see that, they're just like, oh, they don't have relationships. Yeah. It's like, it's not quite the case. Yeah. You know, and that's not usually how we build or communicate. Mm-hmm. And, and speaking from both sides, I do get her point to the fact that I believe that men should have friendships as well as women. And I think yeah, in, a, sure. in a relationship, if the uh, significant other doesn't have any outlets, yeah. the relationship can get very, very bad. Like yeah. I love when yeah. uh, my wife goes out or goes somewhere with her friends. Mm-hmm. And she loves when she I go somewhere with my friends. Because yeah. it's a getaway for everyone. Yeah. But the, uh, the key factor is we make sure that we do things together. So yeah. I'm just not going Absolutely. on a bunch of guy trips. For and, sure. You know, we're not doing anything together. We have our annual trips. Mm-hmm. We have trips that we, we randomly take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I make sure that I do the same thing with my guys because I never wanted to be the friend that got married and no longer could hang with my single friends. Yeah. You know, I'm more than capable of going to a bar or going to, I can't stand the club now, but to a lounge or anything mm-hmm. with a single friend. And if, you know, he's over there working, trying to find him somebody, I can sit there and drink me a drink or just, you know, hang out. I don't have to be this, this, uh, this association with, you know, everything that that guys do have to be this bad thing. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes the get ups are just about just like Phil was saying, just getting up, catching up, talking mm-hmm. about life, talking about marriage, mm-hmm. talking about things. And yeah. I think that sometimes when the word guy trips come about, it always is uh, looked at as a bad thing. Yeah. That's why I was happy about Girls Trip, the movie, when they came yeah. out. Yeah. Show, okay, everybody has their fun. Like, but, yeah. you know, and you see more on movies and in life that. Married people are coming to these trips mm-hmm. uh, that were deemed for single people. Um, mm-hmm. So you have like two married people on the trip, two people that may be engaged, and you have the single people, and they all mesh together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. how it should be. Yeah, I definitely think it's a struggle when you are in a relationship and you don't have an outlet. Yes. Because then your spouse does become like Sheree said your end all be all Mm. and that can be draining for anyone because you it's an unreasonable expectation and you just cannot meet the demand Mm -hmm. um so yeah an outlet is important but I love you all are are talking about the outlets that you have but and I'm sure Sheree could speak to this I know that there are many couples that don't have that oh very Mm -hmm. true very Mm -hmm. true they don't have that and so it is that 
drain from mm-hmm. either side because mm-hmm. their their spouse is their end all be all. Yeah. Let me ask you guys this: Do you think? Because um, I think this is an important factor. I think that your friends should be friends with your significant other. Mm-hmm. I think that helps the the case. Mm-hmm. So for like my friends, you know, if I'm getting up, they know they know exactly who I'm going out with because they may mm-hmm. be cool with them too. So it's like this this family comes together at yeah, this point. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think sometimes when um, people or significant others don't know who you're going out with yeah. or don't know that individual, you mm-hmm. can't really speak on it. Um, yeah. Not that you have to vet somebody before you can hang out with them, but I think it's good to bring that, that person in to your family. But, you know, I, I'm biased because all mine are like college friends right we went to college together so everybody yeah. knows everybody but yeah. um I'm, i guess i'm looking on the outside to how it will look and in in if that wasn't the case for me yeah and you're speaking from a very mature perspective mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and we have to be honest that not all relationships have that type of stability mm-hmm. they, it could be fact fractured because of trust concerns mm-hmm. etc and so yes that's a beautiful way to look at it mm-hmm. um but Everybody doesn't have that luxury mm-hmm. of saying like, well, this is my friend, which is also a friend of the family. And so I'm going to be out with this person. Just mm-hmm. be OK with mm-hmm. it. You know what I'm saying? That's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, because from the way I see it, at least from the outside again, mm-hmm. I'm married, but it shouldn't be. So while there are appropriate boundaries, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be that, at least from my concept, and y'all please correct me, you know, of a marriage where it's like, all right, I'm hiding this or keeping this away from you. It's kind of like, all right, here it is. I'm showing it to you. I'm being transparent about it. This is, you know, these are friends. These are folks that are important to me. But mm-hmm. I feel like the issue, uh, well, one issue that can come up is when it kind of catches the spouse by surprise or it's right. like, you know, you're saying you've been friends with this person for 10 years, but we've been dating for at least two. We've been married for one. Why am I just not hearing about this? Right. Like mm-hmm. that, I imagine, can lead to all types of issues. Right. I, I 100% agree. Because where's the transparency? Right. right. We're bringing all everything to the table. Yeah. Why am I just now hearing this on the table? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you all think about um, opposite sex friendships in the marriage? I think I um, I actually um, this past weekend I had my baby shower. I got to meet um, my husband's long term long time friend. Um, they've been friends for over ten years, oh, wow. and due to um, distance and her being in school, and you know my husband's a truck driver, mm-hmm. they hadn't seen each other in about five years. Oh wow! And so the, the first time that they were able to reunite and for me to meet her was at our baby shower. And to me, it was just an overwhelming, humbling experience because my first time ever meeting her, she walked in and she called me sis. And she says, I love you for taking care of my brother. Oh, that's the way it should be. Yes. Yes. And then on top of this, she gave us this huge basket that's about three three feet tall. That has all this baby stuff in it. She's oh. like, I want to make sure that I take care of you all. So she, I she, love that. She introduced and she integrated into our family as a whole. Um, and then I also had to be upfront and honest with my husband. I was a tomboy. I would say, up until maybe the end of college, I would say maybe. Were 30%. you? My staple uniform uh-huh. was jeans, Tim's, or Reebok Classics, and a T-shirt. No way. I didn't start wearing heels to, like, maybe graduate school. Really? Ma'am. <laughs> yes. So, 
I had to make sure I, I, I communicated. And I'm just that. saying, really, because Sheree is like I'm always girl. done to the T, hair, makeup, yeah. nails. Yeah. So yeah. it's just yeah. so yeah. different. Have your moments. It's 100 percent of the moments that we've seen you. Right, <laughs> right. Fly. Yeah. So this is so different from what she's but presenting to us in all this the moment. Pictures, yes, and so um, Tim's I, in a Heineken. Yes, <laughs> actually, I'm a Corona girl with a little grenadine and a little lime. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> While Ant got his pina colada. Yeah. <laughs> so unnecessary. It's a great drink. It's a great drink. And I'm going to stand here and say that was wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know I'm, I'm the punching bag of the group. So like he wasn't even in your eye. I know. That was hilarious. But I told him actually from the, the dating standpoint that I have a lot of guy friends. Yeah. And but I will be transparent and tell you all this quick story. My best friend in college, mm-hmm. to me and my twin sister, we're no longer friends. Hmm. And we became no longer friends once he started dating a particular girl and she saw me and my twin sister as a threat. Wow. Yeah. I never forget that was one of the most hurtful endings of a relationship that I've ever had to experience as an adult. Right. We became friends with this gentleman um, because we were both Amy Zion. We both, he was the Come piano on, player. Amy Zion. Yeah, you know, old school. Um, <laughs> in the choir. Praise God the from big- whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. That's Amy Zion right there, baby. So, um... If you're listening to this, <laughs> that means that that means that my vote didn't count and that, that section wasn't edited out. <laughs> so, we'll see. We'll but long story short, <laughs> I get to the point. Um, there was a couple of events that happened that solidified my friendship with me, him, and my twin sister. Number one, um, going into my teaching experience for internship. Mm-hmm. Me and my sister didn't have a car. Mm-hmm. And I had to do my student teaching rotation for one for a year. Mm-hmm. Guess who car I drove? His. It was his. Mm-hmm. Um, after my sexual assault in college, guess mm-hmm. who was the first person I, that I saw there? Him. It was him. Mm-hmm. So when they started dating um, in the latter part of our senior year going into graduate school, we all knew each other. Mm-hmm. We had been knowing each other since sophomore year. So it's not like... She was some new fixture into our group. Right, right, but right. But it's when they started dating. Things changed. Things changed. And I was hurt by that thing. Yeah. I'm like, we neither one of us ever dated him. Yeah. Neither one of us neither one of us ever wanted him. Yeah. Um but it was interesting because now to this day, I don't have my friend anymore. How old were you all? Um, let's see. So that was I was about twenty two. So that's what I mean. It speaks to the maturity. Yeah. And I can speak from a young married person's perspective because Mm -hmm. you don't have the lens that you develop as you age Mm -hmm. and you realize how meaningful relationships are and how important they are. Mm -hmm. All you see when you're that age is What's in it for me? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so while that sucks, I definitely... 
I, you know, if I'm being transparent, I've mm-hmm. had moments where I'm like, I don't, you can't be friends with her mm-hmm. and, you know, we be married. First of all, let's also speak to the notion that some of us, that's how we were taught in the church. It is true. That a man d- is not supposed to have Female. a friendship outside of, yeah, yeah. the relationship yes. um, with the opposite sex. And so you mix mix that with like your maturity level mm-hmm. and everybody's still in college. So people are still partying and having a good time. Mm-hmm. And it's just a recipe for jealousy and insecurity. Yes, it is. Yeah. Definitely takes a mature place. Mm-hmm. Now I would be like, be friends with whom, whomever you want to be friends with, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it brings substance to the, um, to the marriage and to the relationship because mm-hmm. when you look at, when I look at my crew of male and female friends, they each kind of support different faces of who I am. Mm-hmm. I got my ratchets friends. Yes. I got my educated friends. Yes. And I got those who somewhere in that gray area. Yeah, I'm um, right there in the middle. And so I got the ones who my Are husband you? would know that Absolutely. when they call me a certain name, when they call me Ray Ray, they was like, oh, those those type of friends. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. So they they not going to come to no banquet. See, I call her Ray Ray. Yeah. They're going to come to the house. We're going to play space. We're going to drink a little bit. Yeah. Those types of things. And I think it, you know, it brings substance to our relationship and to our marriage because we can integrate all the genres of our friends on that whole spectrum yeah. and say everyone's still welcome at our table. Yeah. I mean, and the most important thing I'm assuming is that people from all those genres of friends mm-hmm. support your house relationship. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes, yes. That's yes. a biggie. Yes, it is. It's so important. It has to be the most important part, honestly. Uh-huh. Yeah. It really is. Because you can try to make it work for s- where somebody does not support the relationship mm-hmm. and uh, that's a recipe for disaster, right? And we've heard of those where people are like, I don't like him for you. Yeah. But then you still try to stick around and it's just always awkward. It's mm-hmm. always tense. It's like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah. Yeah, support is definitely important. Yeah. No, I've definitely seen some uh, couple friends go through the fallout with other people. Yeah. Just because they weren't, you know, on board with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. obviously there are differences between not being on board and issues of safety like, concerns. Yeah, you know, yeah. like abuse, da, 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 da. violence, and yeah. things like mm-hmm. that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, that's a decision. It's like, all right, this is Team Us. You For know? sure. And mm-hmm. it's usually extended, like, we want you to be a part of Team Us. Yes. Mm-hmm. But if this does not work for you, that is fine. That's yeah. okay, too. You can be yeah. dismissed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I also wonder, I mean, so the author of the piece, yeah. mm-hmm. I believe she's a white woman. She is. She is. And so two movies come to mind. Okay. Uh, one is I Love You, Man. Has anybody seen that? I have not. I have not. I have I, apparently, I'm terrible with movies because I haven't yeah, seen are. half it's of one. Yeah, no, so I Love You, Man. It was a one-off, randomly saw it, but it was, it's a really good movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it actually addresses this. Hmm. Um, so Paul Rudd is the protagonist, mm-hmm. and he's getting married, mm-hmm. and he like doesn't have any friends. Mm-hmm. And so he ends up trying to basically find a best man or okay. a friend or whatever uh, mm-hmm. through Jason Siegel. And so there's one part in the movie where he says, the reason why I love... Because, you know, of course, it's a rom-com, so there's an inevitable blow-up. They yeah. separate and come back yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like... And I think I think is his wife to be Rashida Jones, possibly. Okay. But he says, you know, I love her so much because she wants me to have friends for me. Aww. You know, and that's something that 
you know, you have moments in movies that stick with you. I was like, yeah. wow. I was like, that is a profound thing. That is beautiful. So that's one. And then the movie is The Wedding Ringer with Kevin Hart. Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, yeah. I've seen that yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Another situation. You got a guy getting married. Yeah. No friends None. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, is this something that white people see more commonly? Or is it just because since a lot of us have the, you know, college experience in common, the uh, black that's fraternity and sorority yeah. thing in common, you know, mm-hmm. is that it? Because... You know, going to HBCU, like my group chat that I always talk about or reference, actually all of them are folks I went to college with or met at different points of life. Uh, And so that is how it goes. And even though I don't have group chats with my friends from home, I still, you know, it's like, it'll be a month. I'm like, yo, I haven't caught up with such and such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when we talked about Nipsey, uh, I saw a friend post something. I was like, let me holler at him and just see what's going on. Yeah. Uh, But even though there are different ways of communicating and relating, when it comes down to it, when we talk to each other, it's like, yo, like this is important. We need yeah, to do this more. For sure. I agree. That's a good point. That is a really good point. I It, it might be a cultural difference. Yeah, I didn't know she was white. It could be. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. It's Harper's Bazaar. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't but also, <laughs> I heard Cardi B was on the cover of Harper's Bazaar. She, she was. But she the was. author also. Who made doesn't it. love Cardi B? Oh, Cardi's everything. Nicki Minaj. Facts. Okay. She loves Cardi B. Secretly. Secretly. <laughs> Possibly. Are you her therapist? Cause you're pretty clear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what were you going to say? I can't Ray Ray. <laughs> so um, <laughs> the author also made an um, interesting point of: Are we raising emotionally inept, or disabled, or dysfunctional Ooh. men? Um, what what is what are you all's opinion on that comment? Do you think we've progressed over the last years to make sure that we can say that men can be vulnerable, men can show their emotions? Um, do you think we've actually transcended some of those old type ways? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I think yes. men are showing a more emotion yes. now than ever. And it is a beautiful thing. I mean, but it's also because society is more amenable to it now. Mm-hmm. Facts. Uh, I mean, I think that's really what it is. Because the thing about toxic masculinity is everybody is affected by the narrative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, men, women, like everything in between. Yeah. Uh, and so I really think the narrative is becoming a little bit more flexible because yeah. people are seeing the fallout. From uh, you know, this for stuff. sure, for sure, and I'm saying facts so confidently, but my sample audience is very small because I don't work with um, men really in my practice at all, um, and so re- really, what I'm seeing is from my family, mm-hmm. um, and I know that my husband is extremely nurturing with mm-hmm. our son. Sorry mm-hmm. about that, um, and really allows him like the space. You all have been 11 year old boys before. And I don't know if you all remember, but everyone that I've spoken with has said that that's like a rough time for boys. Mm-hmm. Um, just you wait. Um, no, I have a, a younger brother. We're 10 years apart. I remember okay. that Okay. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I remember. Why is it rough? Oh, he's very tearful. Mm-hmm. Um, sensitive. It's very sensitive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean, I'll be honest, sometimes I find that my patience a little is wearing a little bit thin, but I will get glimpses of my husband like pulling him to the side and just embracing him and allowing him to have that space to cry and then we'll spend and I am not exaggerating when I say we'll spend hours just sitting and talking with him. And I just yeah. think that is an absolutely beautiful thing that I, agree. I know my I agree. husband didn't wasn't afforded that when he was yeah. growing mm-hmm. up you know and so to see him be able to do that without even a frame of reference mm-hmm. 
But just knowing that TJ needs that, mm-hmm. it's just so amazing well, to me. It sounds like your husband is his own frame of reference. You yeah, know, just kind that's of true. And understanding it. That's and I feel true. like a lot of times, at least I see in clinical practice, uh, you know, when parents raise their kids, yeah. it's almost like they just have amnesia about what it was like to grow up. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, well, it's related to a lot of things. But to be able to access that is something very important because, yeah. you know, I'm certain when you guys work with families, like that empathy goes so far. Mm-hmm. Because it really does transform into patience and understanding and mm-hmm. caring, as opposed to you know a draconian parenting style that doesn't that basically perpetuates the same thing. For sure, for sure. I would say the one the most disappointing things that I've seen in my practice, um, and it's disappointing just because I've had my male patients who are going through parenting issues due to divorce, separation, or just maybe some parent-child conflict. Um, and the, one of the commonalities I hear from some, not all, is. I, I want to be able to be there. I know that my son is going through something because I'm seeing the symptoms through acting out or yeah. decreased talking or isolation, whatever it may be. Um, but I don't know what to do. And so I give them all these interventions. Let's mm-hmm. try something so we can figure out what may work for you. And every time they come back, I'm like, did you try? Did you try? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, why not? They was like, I just can't picture myself doing this because it's taking me outside my box. He said, and most of the time they say, because I don't have a point of reference. I don't have anything that I can at least emulate or mirror um, to even make this be effective and even trying this out. So they're even afraid to try sometimes to repair. so foreign. Uh, Yeah, or to even implement this intimacy between their child. I'm like, but that's your child. I say, it doesn't even matter if you fail at it. I said, just try it. I said, I'm giving you a template, but the template can be modified in any form or shape to fit your language and your child's language. And I think that's been the roughest part is because they, it's not that the parents don't want to try. They just, they're afraid. Yeah. I mean, but go, go ahead. No, I was going to say that I think even with generations, it's it's hard for me to find that, not hard for me, but I know I have to find that balance in the future. If I were if I were to ever have a son as well, because when you were telling the story about your son, I keep on, all I was thinking was about, I guess, my male cousins that are younger mm-hmm. and um, how automatically in my head when you were telling the story, I was just thinking, and like, no, like, communicate what you need. Like, you know, why, why are you crying? Yeah. Why are you crying? And I, and so I tell clients every day, no, keep this space. But I'm thinking of my own. Yes. I'm trying to find a balance between what society says uh, a man is supposed to do yeah. and uh, what the kid may be doing right now. Yeah. And not only because the, of the stigma, it's because of the world, the rest of the world may not be as nurturing as I am. Yeah, for sure. So um, finding balance in between, okay, I'm going to give you this time to to cry and express your emotions, but we still have to work towards a solution because if you're in the workplace, if you're out with friends socially or whatever, Mm -hmm. you may not be granted this. You may not be granted the patience that I may be giving right now. So now how are you going to act at that point? But when you said that, like, I just had the reaction of, doesn't that make it even more important for you to give it mm-hmm. if they're not going to give was it my thought anywhere too. else? Mm-hmm. That was I my mean, because I feel like a lot of times, um, you know, it, I forgot what episode we were recording, but basically, um, you know, you brought up the point about black kids and jelly beans and everything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of there's just this sense of urgency all the time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we need to afford a space to, especially our kids, as yeah. much as possible. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Because like you said, they're not going to get The world else. is cool. Yeah. And on top of that, they are competing with people who have been afforded that space. Yes. Mm-hmm. And oh, then on top of that, point. there's a lot of, there's different ways to deal with conflict. Mm-hmm. There's different ways to cope. There are different ways to yes. deal with stress. Yes. And so, you know, you're hustling backwards and not just mm-hmm. systematically, mm-hmm. but also locally in what you're demonstrating mm-hmm. to the kids. Mm-hmm. As long as they have the balance to know that they can get it here from me. You can. I don't mind affording you that that time that you need. Yeah. But just know that this may only come from me. Is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. So don't expect. Don't take this this love that, yeah. that you're getting from me and think that the rest of the world is going to get it. That's going to give it to you. That's what yeah. I'm saying. And and you also have to keep it in context for his age. Mm-hmm. What he is going through right now is developmentally appropriate. Um. And so I I doubt that it will be like this always. Mm-hmm. You've had a brother. Yeah. I guess Will it be like this always? I'm no, it's not like this always. <laughs> we turned I, out okay. I think in that, huh? I said we turned Y'all out. Y'all okay. did turn out okay. My husband yeah. turned out okay, so yeah. it won't be like this always. It's yeah, just it's the age. I was thinking about yeah. at eleven when I was doing out at eleven. My mom was like, you know, like I said, I'm not praising this, but yeah. it's like. Come on, we gotta we gotta go. Stop right. crying. Like we gotta go. Yeah. And you know she was raising two boys. Yes, and, um, on her own. So. The opinions of others is also was very prevalent during that age. So what he thought other people were thinking about him, which led to sometimes some emotional exchange. I think yeah. was definitely he grew out of as he became more authentic in who he was and his own identity. I love that. So now he's that. just a very little pompous little young man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very mm-hmm. cocky. And I like what you said though because it speaks. To to this generation of black children who are likely mm-hmm. now adults that were like latchkey kids mm-hmm. that were doing all types of adult stuff mm-hmm. growing up way too fast mm-hmm. because parents were working two and three jobs, yeah. etc. And so some of what you missed might have just been, you know, mm-hmm. a yeah. part of that generation that was latchkey and mm-hmm. really didn't have that afforded to you because it just wasn't available. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, my thing is, when it comes to, you know, whole toxic masculinity narrative, yeah. you know, you want to say old school, whatever else. Yeah. Like, if you really brush beneath the surface, like, people know it doesn't work. So true. And that's the junk that gets me. Like, so, so when I was doing residency in Cambridge, uh, I led a uh, men's group a couple of times as a part of this city-based initiative. Oh, nice. Uh, I actually wrote an article about it. Shameless, Come on. Shameless plug. Huffington Post. Look your boy up. But, um, but no, I mean, it's one yes. of those things where, you know, and these were older men. Like mm-hmm. literally, like you know, forty plus. Yeah. When you go down, they're like, "Yep, these are bad ways to cope. These are bad yeah. ways to do things." It's very important that you know I'm able to talk to people about this and get this. But they're like, as a young man, I either didn't know it, it wasn't acceptable, it wasn't yeah. demonstrated to me, and so I think a lot of it is not just recognizing it, but a lot of the real work is in the undoing. It's transforming. And that's the part that people really don't know how to get yep. past. You know, yep. when you think about the narrative of what men are supposed to be, yep. which is invincible, always knowing everything, every time. You know, Sheree, yeah. to your point earlier, mm-hmm. like, I definitely don't want to mess up my kid. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm just not even going to touch it. You know, like, we just going right. to work it out. You know, hopefully mama say something. They're going to manifest into this magical being. Right, right, right. <laughs> now, show them how to throw a punch. Yep. Like, right, 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 right. Kick a ball. Yeah. <laughs> And it's crazy um, because you, you start thinking about, you know, how you grew up and, you know, how I was raised and, you know, how we, you know, maybe only only showed emotion at funerals when, yeah. when people had to, when people died. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I believe that it was my adulthood 
where I first met my wife when we really found out because she grew up kind of like me mm-hmm. where emotions weren't really shown like that. So we yeah. had to really find out how to love together. Yeah. And um, after we did that, we, uh, you know, was at each other's necks for the mm-hmm. first a bit trying to see who was going to break, who's going to be the most vulnerable one in a relationship. So yeah. then we realized how to love together. Mm-hmm. Now we're creating our own narrative. So somebody talked to me now, okay, well, aunt always wants to talk about emotions and feelings and everything I like that. that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that came through practice, witnessing other families, um, mm-hmm. through from sitting on my couch mm-hmm. in my office and actually just going through my life and now um, mm-hmm. being with my nieces and nephews and now daughter, you mm-hmm. know, so now you recreate or rewrite this narrative of how to love and, and project all mm-hmm. these beautiful feelings that you guys are, yeah. are speaking of. Yeah. But you, to you and Phil's case, to your personal journey and Phil doing the group, what are some signs and symptoms to know that maybe emotionally that you may need some additional help? What's some things that will be prevalent that can be seen by spouses, loved ones, um, to say, hey, this is not quite right or healthy before uh, you think, get it? I think breaking end tables in the yeah. bedroom. That rage is probably going to have to be, be a, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a telltale crazy. sign. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> not, yeah, I mean, folks cope one way or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, and so basically all of the bad stuff, the uh, the stuff that doesn't serve you or mm-hmm. could harm you in the long term, the mm-hmm. doing more drugs, having a mm-hmm. bunch of promiscuous sex, mm-hmm. violence, rage, mm-hmm. uh, sabotaging stuff. I mean, even sometimes just going out and uh, kind of consistently conquering, you know, like mm-hmm. some people just throw it all into work and everything yes. else and conquest. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, I mean, you know, at what point is it you're doing this for a goal versus just because mm-hmm. you don't know how to do anything else. Yeah. 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 And I know um, this is not, you know, how things are in everybody's home, but I still think there's a balance that needs to be had with uh, tough love mm-hmm. and the love period. For sure. Mm-hmm. love. So, for sure. And I think the problem comes when there aren't two parents in the household. So there is mm-hmm. no, there is no, there, there is no ability. Well, there could be, but you don't find the balance there. So even if, uh, my wife is playing the bad guy this time or the tough love person. Mm-hmm. And I, I can come in like your husband was mm-hmm. doing and do, being the nurturer or vice versa. If there's no balance there, you usually have one parent that can only show this one thing at yeah. all times because they have what's going yeah. on. So I didn't know what I was missing from not having a two-parent household until you witnessed other two-parent households. Not saying yeah. that every two ho- two-parent household is perfect, but you're getting different uh, parenting styles. You're you're getting different love forms of it's love. A it's a balance. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's mm-hmm. a balance. So I want to still show tough love. If I have a um, son or even my daughter, you know, I want to be tough and you know. But there's like you said, there's a time for uh, allowing that space mm-hmm. for that person to cope and share feelings. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I don't want it to all be just oh just you know come here I want I want to mm-hmm. uh, infuse some of that tough love in there as well yeah because um, I think it teach teaches valuable life lessons that no one else would teach my child on yeah. the outside and people prey on um, um, softness or niceness or kindness mm-hmm. and um, although um, you know I want it to be implemented in my parenting style I want to prepare my child as well how um, the world may, like I said before, not really um, accommodate those feelings sometimes. So it's, it's, a, it's a balance that, like I said, this is my first uh, rodeo, so I don't know. But I'm, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do it. So we'll see. Yeah. So wait, so I'm going to challenge that just because of the language that you use. Okay. You know, on one hand, we just talked about wanting to afford people space, you know, be patient with kids and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think we all acknowledge the, you know, benefits of tough love and things like that. Mm-hmm. But 
to hear you automatically correlate it with your kid might be soft mm-hmm. if things go a certain way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I, I guess that's the thing. Like, I just automatically don't buy that. That right. if you're patient with a kid, mm-hmm. if you show them love a certain way or even discipline them a certain way, it will right. automatically translate to them being soft. Right. Uh, and so I just wanted to hear, you know, if you could, you know, I could be completely wrong, shut no, me no. down, but I just wanted to hear a little bit more about that because I feel like that is even then some of the kind of old narratives kind of coming through. Yes. Well, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say, and I can go back and listen to it. I don't think I said that my kid's going to be soft. I think I said people can take softness for a weakness. Mm-hmm. So if they, if they, if they perceive that as someone they can take advantage of, so somebody's coming and they, they always have this space at home to really express yourself and, um, and people are going to listen to you. You made I've, I've, I worked for people before who who didn't listen at all. Where I had to be assertive to get what I needed in the workplace, or or coworkers that try to take advantage of you. You have to assert yourself, mm-hmm. and you can't be this uh, this person that's always going to um, you know listen and, and 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 actually think that people are going to listen to you and accommodate your needs. Yeah. And so when I was saying soft, I'm meaning that a person that's I guess so vulnerable in the sense that they aren't looking at the bad intent in others yeah. which can which can really get dangerous you know yeah. you, you hate that yeah. you have to do that oh, yeah. um but it's, it's it's just like i've seen it happen i've seen it happen to yeah. me i've seen it happen to others i get you because mm-hmm. my mom yeah. was a single parent um yeah. with twins at that mm-hmm. um who was also 18 mm-hmm. so i remember um when we was talking about parenting many of my past memories i don't necessarily remember my mom being a duality between a good mix. She was either either or. Yeah. I, um, yeah. I got the, either the punisher or I got the nurturer. <laughs> Never did I see those two people yeah. in the But that didn't make you soft and vulnerable and susceptible no. to people taking advantage of you. No, it didn't make me that. I think I became a little bit more apprehensive, though, um, not necessarily knowing which one I was going to get. I can see that. Yes. Yeah. And yes. so I think, to me, in a certain Knowing what I know now as a counselor, mm-hmm. I don't think that was the, the healthiest place for me to learn about emotions, to learn about um, love, um, parenting, et cetera, et cetera, fill in the blank. Because many of my past memories, I, I, and me and my twin sisters, so even with my mom listening, we've had these conversations Yes. Before. Like, Mama, why was you so mean? We were great kids. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what you mean? She's like, I just, I did what was taught to yes. me. And yes. She, I was like. It's no fault, no fault of their yeah. own, right? Right. They didn't have really access to therapy and things of that nature. Exactly. And so they did the best that they could in raising us, especially in the church. Right. You say, oh, mom, I have a headache. Okay, go pray about it. Or sit you down know, and be still. Yes. <laughs> When's the last time you had a bowel movement? <laughs> it's like uh, Phyllis Murphy was about that Dama tap, that Robitussin, that regular yes. pediatrics visits. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, right. Mom Dukes, for the over the counter therapy. <laughs> we, we, we talk about um, we talk about growing up, right? And we we really we really kind of dismiss how life really is sometimes. Yeah. I think because we're all counselors or therapists. For or sure. We dismiss how how life really is. So I know a parent who has a son she's a single mom and she was telling me the story about her kid going to the gym and playing basketball so the guy well constantly she wanted she wanted she nurtures the boy 
all the time. Mm-hmm. And she she praises herself for it. And, I, you know, I do too because um, I think he needs that. And I think there has to be a balance. So he's getting bullied on the court at this point, not extreme bullying. It's just like, okay, well, somebody was calling his game trash, like just trash talking. Yeah. Like, What's his game like, trash? Like you can't. Yeah, very. So, <laughs> so like you you can't shoot. Is that like you, you're trash? You're trash. Like, but this, is, <laughs> but this is normalized. Like this is because uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you honestly get better because now she wants him now to go, well, practice on your jumper. Yeah. Go yeah, back yeah. and, um, Maybe you trash talk him back. Yeah. But she he was so used to coming to his mom. He came to his mom, cried to his mom. Oh, they're telling me this at school. They're doing this at school at the gym. And it's like, okay, I'm going to hear you the first time. I'm going to hear you yeah. the second time. But she had to get her brother, his uncle, to come in and say, no, I'm going to work with you on your game. You trash talk him back and tell him his shot is trashed. And when you score in his face, you talk a little junk to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is the balance of tough love is that what yeah. I'm saying. Because if she continues just to say, oh, well, she wanted to move him out of that gym and say, no, this is. His. But I don't, I don't no. think that's the definition of tough love. No. The way, I think that's, that's actually a, just love. Yes. No, no this is this considered tough love. If he's coming to you crying, saying that he wants to move gyms because of these guys on the court. These, That's boy, see, how many times in a, I'm, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go, go, go. How many times in a session mm-hmm. have any of us articulated to parents, love is not letting your kid do everything they want to do. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you ain't got to, you know, she didn't like have to gut punch the kid and be like, you know, work on that. <laughs> Get out there. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no, I don't think tough love is like punching a kid. I'm not saying. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but some sounds, people would, yeah. would think oh, okay. that that's well, what yeah. you I need. I am saying my, my definition of tough love is not, see, I guess because when, when it first came about, you were talking about catering to the feelings or him crying. Yeah. So I'm saying, okay, well, at some point we have to stop the crying. And have some action in this example, because but you can't. More yeah. simply put, mm-hmm. though, it's all about how we're defining the term "tough love." Right, there we go. Yeah, That's because it can saying. be interpreted many different ways. We're yeah. saying that love can encompass all different types of levels of um, everything from not severe to everything to being severe, mm-hmm. um, just based off of how it's once again implemented. Yeah. So from Phil's perspective. Being able to say no, taking a stance, or um, once again pushing them towards another male figure is not tough love. It's just a part of love. It just yeah. looks differently. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, when my negative connotations for tough love uh, and going with, you know, kind of consolidating your example, Kevon, your example, Anthony, is basically as long as it's not dampening emotions, yeah, you know, yeah. or like muting emotional responses. Yes. I think that is appropriate. And you can do that with correction and demonstration and everything else. But, you know, if your response is basically your emotions are invalidated, we got to move right to action. Absolutely. Uh, You know, and realizing now, I apologize, Anthony, for Mm -hmm. not getting a better understanding of what you meant when you said tough love, because I was coming at it from my angle. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, that's uh, that's something that that's really, at least for me, where I kind of look at it like, eh, yeah. this really measure? Yeah. Like, I'll give you an example. TJ, I've talked about his soccer skills. He's actually really good. Um, but he was one of the only sixth graders that made the soccer team at his middle school. And he's a little short. Mm-hmm. And so... And he's a striker, which is apparently like a coveted position yes, in soccer. Yes. Um, and so some of the older kids were being mean to him. Mm-hmm. And so he did have a moment where he came home and he cried and he was like, I don't want to do this. They tripped me up. Da, 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 da. And we were like, you're not going to quit because of them. You're going to go out there and if anything, play even harder Make them eat their words. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what he did. Mm -hmm. And it was a great experience for him because he stuck it out. Mm -hmm. So 
But before we got to that place of saying, you're going to stick it out, you're going to do it, we validated how that felt. Like, I know that that sucks to go and play somewhere and people around you are mistreating you and mm-hmm. tripping you up, et cetera. So that he doesn't feel like, well, dang, I can't even come to you and say how I'm feeling because then you're just going to be like, just get back out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we want our kids to know that you have a safe space to, to really vent, but we will recommend actionable steps that you can take to be able to function in that environment if it's not one that is unsafe and we need to remove you from it. I mean, he's still in middle school. It sounds like I'm going to require him to follow those actionable steps and everything. Yeah. yeah there ain't going to be no recommendations. Yeah. Well, yeah, I put that lightly. How old was your, what grade was your daughter in when you were when you went to the school and spoke to the principal and the teacher? For, oh, they she were, was in ninth grade. They were mistreating her? She was in ninth grade. Okay. Were they, was, she, was she unsafe? So... Yes, and let me tell you why. Okay. Because her reactions to the event to the event mm-hmm. were at one hundred percent out of character for her. So she is an extremely resilient kid. We have moved around on many occasions. She has gained friends and lost friends, mm-hmm. and through it all, she has remained her bubbly, bright self. Mm-hmm. This situation had her coming home from school every day, crying herself to sleep every night. Mm-hmm. That was out of character for her and so to allow her to navigate that on her own would have been setting her up for emotional failure and it was imperative that I stepped in so that that could stop immediately okay had nothing to do with gender absolutely not if my son came home with the same disposition I would be there at the so school. So he wasn't as extreme as... No, 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 not at all. But if he came home with the same disposition, mm-hmm. I would be at that school. I do not play because then th- these are the people that are crying later like, I wish I would have known. Mm-hmm. So when you show me that your response to the situation is out of the norm... It's time for me to step in. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about ways that you can navigate it later should this come up again. But I'm not going to leave you out there trying to swim on your own. Mm -hmm. I just think two people can handle the same situation, the same identical situation uh, differently. So it's like, what do you do? do? So, you know, so if your daughter was in that same situation like your son was with the soccer thing, I'm interested to see, you know, what would happen. Like I said, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just uh, I think people. So it's the same situation. But now you're saying that based on their response is how I what I deem unsafe for them or not. And really, it's okay. So safety, I'm talking about like the the surroundings first, right? So if the surroundings are unsafe, Mm -hmm. and then two, their responses to the situation, right? And so for TJ, his response was not out of the norm. Like you come home, somebody upsets you, you you might be tearful about it, you might express frustration, you might be like, man, I don't want to do it with them anymore. That's not how my old soccer team was. And so it's a little bit of that type of banter and so we say okay we validate and then we say Mm -hmm. now you get back out there you're bigger than this you are great at playing soccer you were selected to play on that team for a reason Mm -hmm. etc now if he would have come home another night and again and again and he's crying and he's like I just can't do this Mm -hmm. then it's time for us to intervene which was the case for her we didn't intervene on the first second third week that she came home and complained about this we intervened once we saw that she couldn't handle it anymore and once we saw that nothing was being done to rectify the situation 
Yeah. I think it was a, a great article. Definitely caused for did? a lot of discussion. You did? The article was great because it caused a lot of discussion yeah. between us. There Not that the, the content go. was great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. All right. Well, we appreciate it, guys. <laughs> We got hot topics coming from the streets, from the streets straight to the peas. Hey, we got hot topics, hot topics, y'all coming at you with some straight up hot topics, y'all. Hey. All right, so we are back with the hot topic. Um, I don't even think we closed out the last topic. Did we close it out? I think it kind of closed. It just faded out. It faded out. Okay. We didn't summarize. We didn't summarize. We didn't do a summary. So I love that you provided a synopsis of what signs to look out for if someone is struggling struggling emotionally as male and female because I've known some pretty aggressive females too mm-hmm. breaking nightstands and stuff like that mm-hmm. so um those are some really good signs to look out for and um bottom line is communicate with your spouse find out what their needs are and then find ways that you can meet those needs and find ways that they can meet their own needs whether that's through fostering other relationships, whether that's through getting involved in a hobby, working mm-hmm. out. When we become married, that doesn't end who we are as individuals. Mm-hmm. That doesn't die. And so you have to be sure that you are taking care of your individual needs so that you can be on point for your spouse. Agreed. All right, let's talk about this hot topic. Mm. So, Speaking of spouses. Right? So, oh, and that is a beautiful segue because this week on Red Table Talk with Jada Pinkett Smith, Pinkett Smith, mm-hmm. um, Aisha Curry was on this episode along with her mother-in-law, her sister-in-law, her soon-to-be sister-in-law, um, Willow, and the grandmother, Jada's mother. Um, and they were talking about insecurities mm-hmm. um, and anxiety. And Aisha spoke about um, her experience with anxiety. Um, she talked about having to take medication for it. She's been in, engaged in therapy. Um, I think her sister-in-law also spoke on the fact that she's also been engaged in therapy and that of recent she has isolated herself to the house because Mm. being out in large crowds is very overwhelming for her and she oftentimes has moments where she forgets where she is because Mm. the anxiety is so overwhelming, right? Mm. And so then I think Jada asked uh, Willow, Aisha about what it is like to have females approaching her husband and she asked everybody at the table this mm-hmm. Aisha in response said that she doesn't like it of course what women would like for their husband to be getting like a non-stop attention from women um, and so she said that she does not like it it's uncomfortable for her some of the women are just downright disrespectful etc and then she said but what I struggle with is that no one and I'm paraphrasing, no one really gives me any type of attention anymore. So no one is like telling me how beautiful I am. And so it would be nice just to have that experience again. And then on social media, the floodgates opened and the people started to rip Aisha to shreds. 
And so I want to talk about that tonight, get you all's perspective, um, and then we'll close on that. No, I think I think that her um, her feelings, you know, are justified. I know everybody was, you know, shaming her for it. Yeah, um, and I was, shame I, too. I, I was too. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I was, I was too. But after I actually like, you know, dived into it a little deeper, um, I realized that you know everybody, you know, male or female. Uh, probably won't somewhat, you know, want to feel like they, uh, you know, still are attractive to anybody. Yeah. Not just, you know, their, their significant other or their spouse or whatever. What's interesting is that she reported it. She reported that she didn't like that he got all the attention and that the women were lurking. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm questioning now, okay, well, if she doesn't like it, then why would she want that attention? I'm imagining that Steph may not like it either. Yeah. So, I mean, would she want him to feel the same way that she feels now currently? So, you know, and, and also, if she did have those feelings, I'm okay with it, but I don't think it was a place for uh, TV or hmm. for everybody else to hear well, it. I disagree. And because oftentimes, especially within the charter room, we said we was going to be real and talk about topics yes. that are not just necessarily already out there, but also things that are not being discussed. So when is there ever a time for a woman to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and to share that she has some moments of self-esteem or self-concept issues in which, you know, self-concept is think what, other, what we think others think about us and saying, hey, I wonder if people still find me attractive. Yeah. And don't think that these are normal, rational thoughts that go through our mind as women and yes. also even sometimes as men, because once we become married, you know, we often hear about the, the weight gain, letting ourselves go or becoming just accustomed to your mate loving you for who you are. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I don't think it was anything wrong with her discussing it at the table because at the Red Table Talk, the purpose of it is to have these same type of discussions. Yeah. And we have to stop making things taboo that can be only said behind closed doors, which is what many women are facing, which mm-hmm. is um, besides being married, besides being with someone, are there moments in which we do want to still feel attractive to the opposite or the same sex? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so going at least through the clip uh, a couple of times, she hedges a couple of times. She says, this is an insecurity. She leads with that. She does. She says, I know this sounds crazy. Yes. You know, and like even she says this and folks still went nuts. Ripped her to shreds. Uh, it was actually surprising. I it mean, was. It, I feel like if you think about it, if you talk to, you know, friends, wives or your homegirls or whoever yeah. else, like people have those moments like Sheree was yes, saying. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, I mean, the thing that really stood out to me was all the women around her's response. Yeah. You know, just kind of like they, yeah. Yeah, they validated it. Yeah. But also they gave the perspective. Uh, I think either Jada Pinkett said, you know, like, hey. I was in that place once. Mm-hmm. You know, you're still young in your relationship. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, they also say you also probably have blinders on. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's another point of saying, like, the attention is out there. You're just, yeah. you know, yeah. focused on your kid. three kids, your business that you're building. You know, being a good wife. Being like, a good wife. Yeah. Yeah. I hated to see all of the backlash that she got on social media. Mm-hmm. One, because like you said, Sheree, like, she was being vulnerable and I loved that about her Mm -hmm. Um, and we see that frequently from Aisha and whenever she's vulnerable for some reason social media tends to rip her to shreds right and I think that we have to be careful about putting people on these pedestals and thinking that they can do no wrong and that they don't have any issues they don't have things that they are struggling with um, because the pressures 
are just, again, unrealistic and they can't live up to those expectations. Mm -hmm. I think the first time they ripped her to shreds was when she um, first came on the scene and she was like, if you all dressed. A certain way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And court, conducted yourselves as wife material, Mm -hmm. then you might be a wife. Mm -hmm. And so then people were like, how dare you say that? Um, When that was the message that is so frequently communicated in the church and everywhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, just this time, the way I was like, this is completely wrong that they are doing this to her because I would agree with her, especially the fact that she's had three kids. Mm -hmm. Um, One is still, probably under one, I think Jack is not even one yet, so she's likely still nursing. Mm-hmm. Um, you, it takes the body at least eighteen months to recover in totality from childbirth, mm-hmm. right? So we're not just talking about the six weeks when you can then have sex again. We're talking about the shifting of organs, your hormone levels, the fact that you're breastfeeding, your hair is falling out from the anesthesia. It is a whirlwind. Yeah. It could be dismissive if she said if Steph is telling her that she's pretty or attractive every day, and um, just to play devil's advocate, and she said that she's still needing it from someone else. It's like okay, well, my my compliments aren't good enough. And I think that's why everyone was saying, well, what I mean, that's everybody was getting at it like that. And the reality is, if Steph said that same comment, he would have been crucified too. If you said that, hey, I want to feel attractive to other women, he would he would have got hell for it. So I don't know why everybody's in shock for for her getting it too. Because if he said that same yeah. statement, he would have been crucified for that. Yeah, I would agree, I agree. when taken out of context. When you look at the context of the situation and really look at it from a compassionate lens, you can see where she's coming from. Well, I'll say, I mean, this... Because you obviously watched the whole thing. I did. Uh, but for the 40-second clip that's circulating, yeah. you ain't got no context. Mm-hmm. You just right. Got her, yeah. You know, right. And unfortunately, that's the way that opinions are given, Formulated. made. And yep. I'm not going to lie. The memes were funny. Uh, yeah. But and that's unfortunately the world we live in right yeah. now. And so on one hand, uh, to Sheree's point, you know, like understanding that there should be spaces where people are vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, the unfortunate reality of celebrity is... You, know, you, you have, have very few spaces yeah. for that. And what, yeah. it's, what it can say to a man yeah. is, um, when I looked at it, when I saw it, I guess, initially, you know, like I said, I had to process it a little bit more to understand understand where she was coming from. But initially it was like, okay, well, what, you know, because men want to feel like they're doing enough as well. So, okay, well, you have a man here. He's uh, he's He seems like a good husband, um, seems like a family man. He's supporting his wife and everything that she does. And she's still saying, well, you know what? That's not enough. I still want this attention from other men. Mm-hmm. I don't so, think she ever said that that's not enough. Well, I don't think, because when you put it in that stance, it's putting it into a, a contingency of an if rule, which is I can only feel this way if this certain thing does or does not happen. I think she's saying that she gets it from him, period. It would also be nice if she still, once again, felt the recognition that she was attracted to other people. But I guess why I'm confused about it, because she said that she hates that he gets that. Mm-hmm. So... You know, so why would you want? I think you know. I think I think this is a maybe off topic, but I think in relationships, I think that significant others, no matter the gender, can be very well sometimes jealous of the other, 
And I think that um, whether it's a career, maybe, um, you know, going at a faster pace than the other, mm-hmm. um, more attention a person may get because, than the other. And I think sometimes couples compete. And mm-hmm. um, and I'm not saying this is the case. It just made me think that way when I was thinking about this. That sometimes couples can be in competition, and when someone is getting all this attention, you're just you're saying that you don't like it, but you're wanting that same attention. I can mm-hmm. only imagine that you know Steph may feel some type of way about that as well, and maybe he if he and then if that was the case, then he said that comment, he would be crucified. Like, okay, well you have, you got a woman, she's she like they said earlier that she's wife material and she's doing this and she has this and what more could you be looking for? Mm-hmm. And if he asked for the extra attention for someone else, he would be crucified for it. So it, it was just mm-hmm. really confusing to me. But um, but when you break down the motherhood piece and you know nurturing and everything like that, that's something that I can't um, relate to. So yeah. man, I think everybody is looking at uh, this comment through a different uh, lens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I we're we're also assuming that she gets that at home. Um, Because that wasn't a piece of the dialogue, Mm -hmm. right? And so prayerfully, she is getting that at home. But if she's not, that also speaks to why she could also contribute to why she is seeking um, that that attention. Mm -hmm. Well, well, to hold up, you know, Mm -hmm. to be in Steph's corner. Uh, when Jada <laughs> made supportive comments about her husband, yeah. Aisha lit up like a Christmas tree. So I would assume yeah. that, you know, all but that, that but I, But that can also be separate mm-hmm. from me saying to you every day, you look so beautiful. Because sometimes it's not intentional that you don't say it. It's mm-hmm. just the hustle and bustle of the day. Yeah. And so I might not look you in your eyes and say, oh my gosh, I noticed that you did your hair differently. That is gorgeous. I like yeah. Whereas he goes out and he plays an amazing game and the ladies are like, oh my goodness. Well, really the you entire were, world. Yeah, you were so awesome. But from her lens right now, it's just the ladies that she sees, right? Yeah. And again, being sensitive to the fact that she just recently had a baby mm-hmm. and things just are off kilter after you have a baby for some time, mm-hmm. you know, I just, uh, I'm, I'm sensitive to that. And so this yeah. is another reason why spouses need friends. Yes. Because they kind of sat her down like, girl, yeah. we get it, you're wrong. Yeah, you're right, right, right. <laughs> so that way, you know, Steph is not at home yeah. bearing the burden because Aisha doesn't have anybody to talk to. I know. <laughs> but she's out here hustling might still not have friends. She did just take a girlfriend's trip, though, on uh, on social media. Yes. We all know how people, you know, can do things for social media but be very distant in real life. So I don't know. I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, she seems like she's got that. I, listen, I, I heard just the statement that she was saying, nothing more, nothing less. A sis is over here feeling baggy, and it would be nice if guys were like, you ain't so baggy after all. And I think that that's what makes it so scary to me because it can only I'm imagining it can only be from social media. Yeah. Because you know I don't that's think I don't true. think anybody's approaching her with her kids on that's her hip. True. And yeah. She, and that's she's, true. She's cooking and doing that's this and true. that. I don't, so then it goes to show like okay well we're we're actually begging for or wanting these likes so bad and I'm men too you know yeah. I know guys yeah mm-hmm. that's anybody true. post a photo they're looking for more at least more than 11 likes yeah uh, or 10 <laughs> likes back in the back in the uh, day when Instagram first Instagram first came about if oh, you didn't yeah, get boy. more than 10 right. you, know, <laughs> you hurt you, you just hurt. see all the letters yeah you see right. all the letters so um, it's sad it's sad man it's sad. that is so stupid that is a good point that is yeah. a good yeah. point that you know 
maybe somewhere there's a space that needs some massaging, some nurturing, some love. Yeah. Um, and, and that happens to the best of us at different times in life. So insecurities happen. Mm-hmm. It might not look like the way it looks like for her. They may present themselves differently, mm-hmm. but we all find ourselves in situations where we are insecure about one thing or another. Yeah, no, And she just voiced it to the world. Yeah. She did. And I applaud her for doing it. Um, you too. But definitely would rather have it. In we support you. And maybe not with your husband's mama. Because <laughs> she was like, you see how quickly she responded, the mom. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot she was there. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, that's. She was like, you don't want that. You don't yeah. want that. Yeah. 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 So... Listen, I feel you, Aisha, in regards to just what the body does after having a baby. Um, I am so glad you provided that context. Yeah, because this is good over here. We were about to flame you as soon as this went off. (laughs) This is good over here. My husband does a wonderful job of reminding me how beautiful I am. Would you like Um, more attention from other guys? No, actually, I would not. Like, I would actually like for it to cease because it is uncomfortable. Okay. She said I'm popping. Oh, so that's two different views. That is not what I said. <laughs> that is not what I said, actually. But I definitely I also agree, but my husband also reminds me that I do have blinders on. He's like, baby, we be out and guys do be looking. I'm like, where? Show yeah. me where. And he's like, no, they really do. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. So I think in some ways we can become oblivious. Um, but also, um, sometimes we become oblivious just due to our role that we have taken as wives. Yeah. Um, to say that even if they was, we just don't necessarily see it. Yeah. So yeah. so true. So true. I mean, I have literally had guys like, are you married? And I say yes. And then they say, well, how are things at home? Wow. None of your business. I told you I was married. So, yeah, it ain't. I, I'm what with if nobody tried it? With Aisha's mom, it ain't all it's cracked up to be. What if nobody tried you? Would you feel insecure? I'd be cool. Okay. I mean, I'd be cool. Like like I said, my husband does an amazing job of like telling me how beautiful I am um, and really kind of, you know, loving on me in that regard. So, yeah, I'd be I'm feeling indifferent if I wasn't getting it from home. Yeah, for sure. Like if I didn't walk in the kitchen and you tap me on the ass, then we got a problem. Hey, come on now. Yeah. There so, we go. We Gucci there. I wish I could see Anthony smile. Man, <laughs> <laughs> I love my baby. All right, then. So I think I think that's it for tonight. Yeah. Tonight was a good dialogue. Right. Tonight was a good dialogue. Right. I love the charting room because we all have different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, First of all, we are all human. And so because of that, we are flawed naturally. Mm-hmm. And so we like to add our clinical excuse me, our clinical expertise, but also a humanistic perspective so that, you know, we can share with our audience that some of these journeys that you all are taking, we are navigating them too. Mm -hmm. And so spaces such as these, where you have the support of your peers, getting engaged in therapy, Mm -hmm. you know, connecting with like-minded individuals and people that will challenge you Mm -hmm. um, to see outside of the box. That's a great thing. Um, And so hopefully, if nothing else, we can emulate that for you all. So until next week, peace out.